1: What's up, Lightyear's listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official Lightyear's slash Warriors World Draft Party, July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show post-pandemic,
2: food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways.
1: And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official Lightyear's link tree. Welcome to Lightyear's Radio on Green Room. Andy Lou, it's good to be back. Back from vacation, rejuvenated, tanner, just ready for draft season. Our draft show, by the way, is almost completely sold out. We may be releasing extra tickets, but if you want to go, I would suggest trying to buy it now before the event, right? Link closes. Really appreciate everyone who bought tickets early. I did not think we'd see a, uh, a sellout you know, <laughs> three weeks ahead of time.
2: I, that's crazy I, I am i am so happy um outpouring of uh, support you know we've done this for free for a long time we didn't throw the event out for money we threw the event out because we wanted to see everyone and it's a big time warriors draft that's coming up so i it's it's a weekday right it's july 29 thursday 4 p.m uh standard deviant to barn sf so
1: andy and i hit up so Andy happy. and I hit up. And adam silver we're like We really need you to move the draft to Saturday. Per usual, he didn't listen. That's why the ratings are down. Standard. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, let's get into it. So I feel like um, there's two. Well, the draft's a big story, but it's kind of intertwined. The the popular name for trades has been Pascal Siakam, who. Are you surprised how divisive he is as a trade target? I, I have to be honest with you. I thought people would be way more into it than they are and just gauging what I see online. It's, it, it might even be 60-40 no, you know? Like, I I, I just I didn't realize that fans wouldn't necessarily be as hyped on Siakam as I am.
2: I, people that are, are my friends aren't high on Siakam. I, the, the litmus for me is, is my friends who are the casual. Like, I call like kind of the master, sure. right? Light years listeners, I call the hardcore fans. They are just they eat and, and sleep and breathe warriors, and I I fucking love it. And and then you have kind of the casual Earth fans who will watch basketball season. They'll ask me like, "How come James Wiseman isn't DeAndre Ayton? How do we get you know kind of like that kind of stuff?" I will say those people are not enthused, Sam, about Pascal They are not. And uh, I have a kind of a, I have a couple thoughts. Um,
1: yeah, let, let's hear him. I'll let you go first.
2: Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. Number one is Wiggins is going out in that trade, and I think the Wiggins propaganda is, is, has
1: been done very well.
2: Uh, Fitz, Kerr, uh, all these guys that have been – Fitz about to
1: win his seventh or eighth Emmy for his, his yeah. Wiggins coverage.
2: Phenomenal. I, I think it, they – right now, Andrew Wiggins is seen, I think, by the fans as some type of like two-way monster. Like that's how he's marketed, and I think that's, that's one thing, right? Number yeah. two, I think Pascal Siakam – nobody knows Pascal Siakam. Like, nobody watches the Toronto Raptors. Um, like they're except, for the you, except for you and me. I do love the Raptors. I love, because I love, like, a lot of players on that team. OG Ananombi is one of my fair players in the league. So, and, and Pascal Siakam, he's not that exciting to watch, right? That's the other thing. He had a down year, he also was injured a little bit. And I think here's another thing. He also destroyed the Warriors in 2019, so I think I think there are fans out there that are like, Man, "Screw Pascal, Siakam, right? Like, he's, not, he's not the guy that that I want, that I really like." So I think it's a confluence of kind of all those things, um, where Warriors fans are just saying, "If you got to throw Wiggins in and Wiseman, right, and a lottery pick, eh, yeah, you we know, got we, like we got to
1: start." Go. So I think your point on Wiggins is correct. I think the Warriors did a phenomenal job rehabbing Wiggins' career. Taking him from being kind of a laughing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he went from being kind of the biggest punchline in the league of like bad contract, like, ever, like, whenever anyone would think of like the quintessential overpaid, non productive player, Andrew Wiggins was the guy, right? And, um, you know, I think he got back to, I'm going to be, I'll be blunt with this. He was above average on defense. I'm not even sure he was better than league average on offense last year. He hit 38% of his threes. He also hit 38% of mid-range jump shots, which he takes at a frequency higher than his threes. It's like he gives away every possession that he um, that he hits an outside shot on. So it's not that he's like a bad player. He's not really a good passer either. He's, he's fine. He's fine. He's – For me, it's all about the contract. Like, you're paying him max money. He's not close to a max player. If you want to make an improvement to the roster, he's probably the guy who has to go. And it has nothing to do with him being a bad player or anything. It's just like,
3: yeah, you know,
1: you're telling me you can't find a player to replace what he does for you for $10 million. Someone like Jay Crowder, for example, just as, you know, excellent defender, hits threes at about 38% also, and also is just worthless off the dribble. So... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Now I really don't want to get into the Wiggins thing. He's self someone in the chat goes, he's self-actualized HB. Um, HB doesn't Harrison Barnes didn't take as many bad shots as Wiggins. That's just, that's just what I keep coming back to. It's like, I wish Wiggins uses athleticism to get to the rim and I'd live with him breaking layups if he was at least just throwing his body at the rim. But instead you get, you know, three steps in feels a body, shake, turn around, 18-footer. And you get that, like, on re- – the, the guy just really hates contact is what I've come down to. Um, and I don't think I, – I don't think there's anything Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, or anyone can do to, like, make him change that.
2: No, now, now, on top of Wiggins, who is also a fine player, you also got to throw in James Wiseman. I think that's where it all goes to. Yeah, to, yeah. To hell with a lot I mean, of Warriors he, fans, yeah. He
1: was, he was the number two pick less mm-hmm. than – 10 months ago, about nine months ago, which is weird. We had the draft at Thanksgiving, but anyway, mm-hmm. when you throw that in there, um, yeah, no one likes to sell low. He didn't have, it was a rough rookie year for him. I, I think for the most part, none of us really blame him for that uh, confluence of COVID uh, coaching staff, not knowing what they were you know, really had with him and kind of what they wanted to do with him. Um, it's all disappointing. And it just feels like, you know, this, that's the highest draft pick the Warriors have had in like 15, 20 years. You want to throw it away immediately. I, I get people who right. want to protect James Wiseman in that way. Yep. Uh, but let's, let's take this to Siakam. I think what people miss about Siakam is outside of the obvious superstar class, he fits basically every need the Warriors have. Warriors want a lengthy guy who can switch everything. He's on the short list of the best players at that. Like he's not Draymond. He's not Anthony Davis. After those guys, he might be as good as anyone else. You know, he is a good passer. He had, he averaged, I think he had four and a half assists a game this year. He also doesn't turn it over very often, which uh, we know Steve Kerr will appreciate. He's not a guy who racks up six, seven turnover games and he takes it to the rim. He, he, actually gets to the rim on a consistent basis he's dynamic in a way that i don't think the warriors have had a player as dynamic as pascal siakam well since K- well obviously well, yes yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah um and then if you want to take katie out of the equation because katie's one of the 10 best players of all time you'd have to go back to like 2016 draymond to find that level of like dynamic in terms of taking no. it coast to coast with the ball i'm saying outside of Steph. steph's a different type of dynamic no, i'm okay. talking about like i'm talking about on the wing someone who can actually take advantage of when steph gets trapped 30 feet from the ball and, and like their job is to just attack the cop and do something with it
2: now he's also a guy i'm in on this trade i think the warriors I, there is a level of selling Selling low on on Wiseman and, and kind of Wiggins reclamation project worked out and then then you throw in seven or fourteen now but with Pascal Siakam I think defensively it's also awesome right like you put him at the four or you put him at the five you put him with Draymond it works um, yeah you can, don't can we play those guys at three you're not playing Pascal Siakam right. at three you're just you're you're losing basketball games a terrible fit uh, he can shoot. He shot under 30% last year. Um, I kind of don't believe in that because the two previous seasons he shot at above 35%. Also, here's the other thing. What was Andrew Wiggins shooting before Steph Curry? Right? Thank like you. Andrew Wiggins just shot 38% <laughs> from three. Love, love Wiggins, but I mean, come on, right? Like that's, thank you, Steph Curry. And, and like he's the greatest offensive shooter of all time. And one of the greatest scorers of all time It's going to be easy pickings for Siakam. And then you throw in Clay Thompson. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, Pascal Siakam is shooting 34, 35 percent from three next season without Steph and probably higher with Steph and Clay. So right
1: like that right there solves the shooting, quote unquote, problem that you have. I've seen some mentions. Yeah, I'm on. also I just wanted to throw this out there. I'm seeing mentions of the contract in the chat. I would he does make about a couple million more than Wiggins. I would say the difference between like 29 and 31 a year is pretty negligible. They're both basically making like max money is the way I look at it. Like it's not a, it's, it's not a substantial difference. The real question is, are you throwing away all your young assets? Yeah, I think that's, that's the tough part. The Wiggins stuff, fine. But it comes down
2: to, are you doing Wiggins? And then number seven, who, who now let's get into this a little bit. But they've got a chance to draft someone that could be pretty sweet at number seven. No, we're we're it's probably we're not talking about Davion Mitchell as our favorite guy at number seven. They have to, they they got a chance to draft a guy at number seven, and I think that you're putting in all your chips for Pascal Siakam, who's not a star. I think that becomes problematic, even though in my opinion, Sam, I'm with you. He is a perfect fit. Bradley Beal does not do what Pascal Siakam can do defensively. Bradley Beal doesn't like in terms of the fit. I don't know if there's anything better than Siakam on the market that's realistic. Would I rather have Beal? Probably. But it's – I don't know. It's close, right? Would I rather have Zach Levine? Probably. But
1: Pascal Siakam seems more realistic, and he might be a better fit than those. Here's the way I look at the fit. Uh, Siakam is an A-plus fit defensively. Draymond, Siakam, find a wing, Clay, and Steph – can get you about as close to the peak death lineups defensively. Like um, it really depends on how good the, the fifth wing is, but you're talking about two of the better switching bigs in the league with Draymond and Siakam, two guys who can comfortably switch one through five, which a lot of players can switch but that doesn't mean they can comfortably switch everything. Like Draymond's the master of that. There's no situation in which he's not comfortable switching. I'd say offensively, it's probably a B fit. I do think Siakam is kind of an, he's as close to an ideal small ball fit next to Draymond because of how dynamic he is attacking the rim and his ability to hit mid-range shots and catch and shoot threes. Uh, The only thing that keeps it from being an amazing fit is he's just not a consistent enough shooter. Right. But the one thing I do like about Siakam is he takes the shot. He never hesitates when he shoots the ball. And that's fundamentally different than some of the players we've seen with the Warriors over the years, mainly Draymond and Ingudala, who their first instinct is to pass the ball. They get the ball, they're scanning the floor, looking for a better shooter. And then if it's not there, they put it up, which, you know, when it's working, it's brilliant. That's how you get Clay and Steph a million shots. But how many playoff games we run into are Draymond's holding the ball at the top of the key? And no one's open and you're like, is he going to shoot the ball? What's going to happen here? At least with someone like Siakam, it'll go up quick or he'll immediately attack the rim and it won't be that kind of standing around waiting for someone else to be open, which I think is really what the Warriors need more than anything. Like, um, we know Steph and, we know exactly what Steph and Clay do. We need someone, uh, if, I was, if I was Warriors, I want someone dynamic who can take advantage of all the issues that they cause defenses. All, like, the insane movement that they do off ball. I want someone who can actually take advantage of that and get layups out of it and can hit open jump shots if they're open. Um, And then there's another part of this I think is important to note is that the
2: Warriors organization probably views this, I think as a lot of Warriors fans that don't want Pascal Siakam is that we're shooting for a star. And if we don't get a star, let's not even bother. Let's just kind of move forward with what we have today and figure it out. And I, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I do think that's their, that's their kind of general consensus in the front office is just to say, look, if we can't get, I don't know, Carntony Towns, if we can't get Giannis Cooper, whatever it is, if we can't get a star, star, bona fide star, we're not moving Wiseman and the number seven pick. And, and I, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know if that's right because Pascal Siakam is not going to tell you. It, adding Siakam is not going to say, okay, this team is now going to be in the NBA finals. It's not going to do that, right? Adding Durant, yes, right? Adding Giannis, yes. Well, Dur- Siakam, Durant no. – Durant adds a level of certainty that I I do think the second thing going back anyway, but yeah, but like, I I just think this, this, I just think what I'm trying to get at is they don't want to do this unless they feel like it's going to make them a true, true, true title contender. I just don't know if that's the right decision or not.
1: And And, and, and to be, to, to play devil's advocate, I do get it because if they make a trade for let's say Siakam and it doesn't work, and they're sitting as a second-round team. Right, right. They don't have any other moves other than the teardown, really. So it is – it feels in some ways – I don't want to make too many cross-sports analogies, but, like, you remember how, like, the Niners would not make a big deal uh, up until the Trey Lance one, of course. Yes, yes. How they were always, like, looking for value and maybe a little too (laughs) – a little too pragmatic with their picks. Like, oh, we can't – that's too much. And then finally they went for it. I do feel like the warriors are kind of in that period where it's like, all right, we got this number two pick and we didn't really do a good job with him next last year. So it's not like he's got his peak value. Anyway, we have these two uh, lottery picks. This is really all the ammunition we have to kind of make that big time move. So if we blow it on the wrong move, uh, you know, it's just, that's it. That's all we got going for us. Right. So <laughs> I do understand the trepidation because it's not that easy. And, by the way i just want to point this out to you i decided to look it up um last year siakam shot 32% on catch and shoots threes which is awful the previous 3 years he shot about 38% which is on par with wiggins if i go to the corner numbers right. they're closer right. to 40 there's a lot that indicates in general he can hit catch and shoot shots at the same rate as wiggins his issue is Hold, uh, take a couple like Kevin Durant style shots when it's like, you're not that guy, buddy. You know, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be. Uh, I don't need you taking the off the bounce like in transition three, that's not your game. Uh, but, but you know what, like he, he takes other than that, I'm okay with the shot selection because he, he does get to the rim, which is something that this team, I mean, if they're, if they're counting on Steph to get to the rim as much as he did last year, uh, at age thirty-four, it just it just feels like a recipe for Steph to to just constantly have nagging injuries. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think uh, it, it's it's a trade. I don't know if you have to do it, but I think I would do it just because it gives them the best shot to win a championship the next two seasons. So I, I don't know if that's the case with Wiseman and Wiggins and, and Booknight. Um, I think the other the other thing to to kind of consider here too is uh, is I think you look at the Milwaukee Bucks. I think is fascinating because they pushed all their chips in to try to try to help Giannis make, win a championship with Drew Holiday. And, and Drew Holiday, you not that guy. <laughs> and he's been – some games great and, and some games he's been atrocious, right? And so Pascal Siakam has proven in the NBA Finals against the Warriors. And that was two years ago. It's going to be three years. But he was spectacular uh, against Draymond Green of all people. So and yeah. he, he was spectacular because of Fred Van Vliet and Kawhi Leonard. And, well, the Warriors have Steph Curry. So – he's not the number one option and they have Clay Thompson as a release far as a shooter. Right. So, so I think there is uh, him as a three option. It's not, it's ideal. It's ideal. And I think the war, it's ideal
1: for that. him because it he's, is. he's just, he's not a first option and ever, you know, he knows it. And, okay. yep. um, one other thing I want to throw out there is that reminds me Draymond, remember Draymond kind of paying him a bunch of compliments being like, he's got my attention now after he dropped 30 on him. Yep. So, um, I would, if I was to guess, I think Draymond and Steph would be all for it. I think yep. they think Siakam's really good. I think they've gone against him enough times. They understand what they do as players and how they can, he's an all-star without them. With them, he'll, you know, we're we're all of a sudden going to have to hear about how Steph has too much help. <laughs> yeah, he would be a great addition.
2: All right. uh, What are you, you going to do? We want to go to callers or we want to talk some, some mock draft stuff.
1: Let's uh l- let's do a couple minutes on the mock draft and we'll open this up. So uh, Jonathan Wasserman, friend of the show, who will be on Light Years uh, in the next few days, uh, has James Booknight going to the Warriors at number seven. He has Corey Kispert going to the Warriors at number fourteen. This feels like a very, very like big compromise for all Warriors Twitter. Like you got both segments of it: the guys who want like athletic upside and the guys who want a shooter. So big ups to big ups to Wasserman, really uh, bringing people together. Uh, But the one thing that caught my attention here, and it's not just because uh, uh, Jonathan Wasserman wrote it, but like Sam Vecini and a few other, it's becoming a thing. Book night's becoming one of the biggest risers because of his pro days. It feels like he is outside of the top six names who everyone likes. The guy everyone perceives having the highest upside at number seven. And I, it would just – it seems to me almost like if the Warriors don't take him at seven, they almost have to look at trade options with it because someone will want to move up to him because most scouts are perceiving him as all-star upside as a, as a scoring guard, Ooh. highest outside of those main guys. Uh, someone in the chat goes Clarkson 2.0. What's the difference between Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell when you look at them on paper out of college? Both were scoring guards – with inconsistent jumpers and people weren't really sure if there were point guards. One of them turned their game up, the other turned into a six man. Honestly, that's probably what Booknet is. There's a chance he could be Donovan Mitchell level special, or the, or there's a chance he's just going to be another six man. But that's kind of a gamble that's kind of a gamble you take. I could say the same thing about Moses Moody. There's a chance Moses Moody is like Michael Bridges on Royds. There's also a chance he's any number of like Justin Anderson justin jackson wings who bounce around the league
2: so i watched book night i watched moody uh, and by the way when i say watch i mean like a couple hours of, of of content i did not go back and watch every one of their college games well they both uh, only played uh, like 12
1: know. last year so it wouldn't have taken me that long <laughs> uh
2: no, i did not but i did not do it uh moody i some of the big names davion mitchell um uh who was the there's a couple other guys that i watched james book night who I think also is different in terms of the type of player a uh, giddy. That's another guy. He's different in terms of the type of player uh, that the warriors can select at that seven position. There is no player like him uh, in that position. If you tell me someone like Moody, there are a couple of players similar to how he is in terms of book Knight, I think the only guy that you would say similar to the way that he plays is probably like Jalen green. Like in ter- yep. not not like the same type of player. Right. But like, not the same type of prospect, but the same type of like the style that he plays, right? That type of that type of score, that type of wiggle that he has. James Booknight, when I watch him, he seems to me like a bigger, stronger, longer uh, Jordan Pool. Just off of the guys that the like, if you're comparing to Warriors, easy to think about six five, uh, loves to shoot, uh, but he's long. He's like six eight, six nine wingspan. He's long as hell for for a guard. Uh, so he says he can guard one, two, and three, which I think is really awesome too but it's the shooting that's cool. So he didn't shoot very well Sam last season I saw, but he was also injured. So that's part of it. He's also he was also on a pretty bad team.
1: I have so a, I, think I have he, a I have a stat for you which uh, ooh, yes, you can yes, take you yes, you can throw take it. either throw direction. It. He took a total of 9 uncontested jump shots. Yeah. Bad team. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean so, 9 9, nine over the course of an the <laughs> uh, over the course of the entire season one could say that's a function of playing with no talent that's how anthony edwards would have defined his year at uh, georgia and he had a very nice rookie year which showed put him around a little better spacing and it doesn't look as bad as it looked in college or you could say he's a chucker and you're you're not going to get rid of it out of him and and that's kind of where it's you know i can i can see both when i watch him to be honest <laughs> so and i think but also
2: tell you know what that tells me just the size and the shooting and this guy and and that hesitation move that he has by the way jordan Poole doesn't really have one he just has an absurdly quick first step so he just blows by people book Knight is more of like he can do a little dancing which is what really every combo guard can do now in the nba like that step back jumper everybody does i know that's the other thing i was just gonna get to this guy has ridiculous upside like if you talk about moses moody like what's the upside there like like you said michael bridges may be better cool james book Knight, what's the upside there like, is are we talking about, like, a combo guard that averaged 26 points a game? Maybe. I'm not saying he will, but maybe. And so if you're talking about a seventh pick, yeah, you roll with that every single time. And we've debated playmakers versus shooters, right? You say yeah. one, I say the other. Doesn't matter. Both, right? Um, They need that. They need that. And this guy's a playmaker. He is going to, like, I'm just thinking about who he can be and what he can do is – the upside is so high that I think with the seventh pick, you got to do it. You, ju- you got to if, if that's the guy that's there.
1: Yeah. Shick just mentioned this in the chat. He goes, Jordan Poole has a ridiculous snake dribble. Uh, absolutely Not like correct. This guy, the, di- <laughs> this the difference I see between Poole and someone like Book Knight is acceleration. Jordan Poole is crafty as hell and he's a good jump shooter and he can get shots off, but he can't excel. He doesn't have that extra step to just get to the rim the way guys like donovan mitchell or zach Levine do when i watch book night i see athleticism and ability to get to the rim like those guys now is he going to be as polished
2: oh man now is he going to
1: be as polished as those guys i don't know but like when we're talking about it there's no one on the warriors who can accelerate and get to the rim like any of the players i just listed it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. Steph can get to the rim with pure craft because he's one of the best players of all time. Uh, everyone and and Pool, well, he's not one of the best. Jordan Poole's not one of the best players of all time, but he also gets there with craft. No one's getting there with quickness and kind of dynamic athleticism. And that's the thing that stands out to me with Book Night. And the upside is just so enticing. He's also a gamble. He, he does feel like a player yeah. where yeah. you either look like a genius or. Yeah. I agree. You bust really badly with him, and it might go both ways with a year and a half. But for a top ten pick, I almost would prefer the Warriors to swing on that um, on that upside than like try to hit a single and get a nice little role player. You know, it's it's exactly why I'm off Moody.
2: It just everybody loves Moody, so I watch Moody, and I I don't see the star potential. Damn, could be wrong. Who knows? Uh. But I don't see the. How is this guy going to become a twenty twenty-five point a game score? I don't see it. Cool three and D guy, awesome. Get him at fourteen then, right? Or get somebody else at fourteen, right? That can do it. Like get get if Jalen Johnson falls, take him at
1: fourteen. Whatever. But someone in the that ch- guy at seven. Someone in the chat goes hitting singles is how you get Jared Culver at the fourth overall pick. Yeah, or like Wesley Johnson at the fifth overall pick. Guys who are seen as like safe, can't miss productive NBA players. No and...
2: such thing, too, right? No yeah. such
1: thing as safe. and Not a single...
2: Like, that's in all sports, and all levels, no such thing. I did fall in love with Booknight. I think the other thing I love about him is uh, he does a lot more... Like, he, I think he comes off as a score slasher, right? Like, that's his upside. He, he like Jordan Poole, is a little bit of a hybrid now. Like, everybody in the league is a hybrid now, but he does give off that. He can still pa- pass. He can still playmate. Like, he's not dribble, 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 pound, 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 I'll only pass when I need to pass, like Russell Westbrook type, James Harden type. Like, it, to me, it does look like he's actually able to, uh, he's actually able to pass before he absolutely needs to. Um, so I think that's cool, too. That's another,
1: the, the My, question though, Sam, is, is
2: you know, does, does Steve Kerr, Baumeier, do the or does, do these guys like him? Like, I'm, just, he, I'm just hoping,
1: I'm hoping Steve Kerr with Team USA dealing with guys like Zach Levine and Bradley Beal sees the light. And realizes if I get that kind of talent in my system, it'll take everything to the next level. I actually don't think he would have a problem with a player who <laughs> who has high skill level. Um, I think what I think we know what, what what drives Steve Kerr crazy is like low effort. Like he didn't dislike D'Angelo Russell because of his skill or his talent. He I think he got annoyed with the fact that D'Lo's effort on things that didn't involve the ball in his hands was uh, non-existent. Yeah, it was miserable. I mean, it was Draymond was sick of him, so.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: So, request to speak if you want to.
2: I did fall in love with Book
1: Night. I, I, I did. I did. I can
4: see how he could bust, but. All right, here we go, Charles. Charles. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, I just wanted to talk about Pascal Siakam, then, had a draft question, too. Uh, something about Pascal Siakam, uh, I think, why at least some people are against it is first off, it's just. Basically, three out of the four, maybe all four of the assets that you've gained over two years, missing the playoffs and playing poorly and all that for Pascal Siakam just doesn't sound good to a lot of people. Now, I mean, it could be fine. could be whatever. But, I mean, that's part of it. And then on top of it, he's hurt, I think, till like, December. Probably wouldn't, you know, be back until December. So you're not getting a training camp with him. You're not getting whatever, the the bonding, the kumbaya that people talk about with her. And you're probably going to have to take on a bad contract of, like, and gee, one year left, so it's not that bad. But you're going to take on, like, Rodney Hood or Aaron Baines in a trade. Uh, I'm not against it myself but it's just you know there's it's, it's nuance and there's reasons to Those um, are, to talk about
1: that stuff I guess those are both fair points Charles really appreciate it um did you have a draft question you wanted to hit us with before
4: you yeah go? also uh at seven like I'm, I'm with you on book night and just the idea of taking someone with upside has me like okay with Kaminga if he falls even though I mean there's other stuff with you know reports about his I don't know, attitude or whatever. But because they have 14, like I'm cool with going with upside at seven. But also I wanted to bring up at 14, uh, a player who's rising, who I like, uh, Trey Murphy out of Virginia. He keeps rising up the draft board like throughout the entire season, went from undrafted to second rounder. He's a first round lock now. I could see him at 14, you know, 6'9", 7' wingspan, shot 43%, 92 from the line. Uh, Just another guy that, you know,
1: I don't know, could could be looked at at 14. Thank you, Charles. Um, Thanks, that was- <laughs> I'll throw on uh, a question about Trey Murphy when we get Wasserman on in a couple of days. Uh, Got to ask on some of these high risers, guys we haven't dug into as much as kind of the main five to ten guys. Uh, but he does bring up a fair point. So we didn't we didn't mention this, Andy, but like how much does Siakam's injury play into uh, your desire to trade for him or really?
2: Yeah, that, that one's a tough one. And, and yeah, Charles, great point that he brought up he as far as we're concerned isn't going it's not like something that's going to affect him for the rest of the season once he's back he's presumably back from that injury now the other part of it is
1: it, it, it is Weisman his non same. it is his non-shooting shoulder so that, that's positive you know
2: yeah and, and I, think, I think the other thing is same with Wiseman
1: right like his meniscus is going to take him out up until training
2: camp at the very least right and probably won't even be that ready for the season. You're not making this trade for the beginning of the season. You're not making this trade for December. You're not making this play trade for January, right? If you're going to make the trade, I'd assume that the doctors at golden state in Toronto, they've okayed that he's going to be fine by the postseason. which you would think if you have clay coming back, even to play 20 minutes, this team is going to play in the playoff hunt. And if Pascal Siakam, it's not like he can't cut with the shoulder. It's not like he can't run with the shoulder and it is a non-shooting shoulder, that he is going to be ready to play basketball when he is back, and his rust is just going to be getting back in game shape and not being afraid to actually jump <laughs> and actually play defense. So You're making this trade to make, win a championship. You're not making this trade to win five games in October or December. So, um, I don't know how much it concerns me unless the the report says that he may not be healthy again, and if that's the case, then yeah, of course the
1: trade's not. Yeah, I was, I was going to say exactly what you said, which is I'm operating off the premise that he'll be fine by December and there's no real lingering concerns. That's what we've been led to believe. Obviously, if that's different, um, you know, my opinion on said trade would be different, but I I, I like to, I like to be optimistic with injuries and it just, it kind of sucks to go the other way. So we'll, we'll leave it there. All right, let's get going. Luke, what's
3: up, man? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. When did the Raptors Fire Masai Ujiri and hire Vladi Dubach. <laughs> because, uh, it's a little confusing hearing this kind of talk right now. Like Wiggins right now, Wiggins' contract is a negative asset. Um, Masai Ujiri refused to trade Jonas Valanciunas for Andre Drummond. Why would he trade him for for Wiseman? And would the we have the number four pick? Why would the Raptors need the number seven pick? And would that ever approximate the value of Pascal Siakam? Currently, it's it's doubtful. So yeah, just curious. Uh, why, okay. why would the Raptors ever do that?
1: That is a fair question. By the way, that's what makes this a fun topic because both fan bases think it's insane.
3: Um,
1: here's, here's my logic. And, you know, I don't think the trade would happen, but, like, maybe Masai wants to blow it up. Easiest way to blow it up is trade the 27-year-old. You get last year's number two pick. You also get the number seven pick with your number four pick. So you can enter next season with Wiseman. um, Let's say Jalen Suggs at number four or Kuminga and Booknight. You're going to be awful because they're all like under 20. And then all of a sudden you're in play for the number one pick the next year overall. Like, yes, it's like a long-term asset play. But that would be the reason he would want to do it because he'd be getting three lottery picks for Siakam. And I was thinking about this. I think Wiseman would probably go somewhere between four and six in this year's draft. Um, He wouldn't, he's not going ahead of Cade uh, Jalen green, or I don't even think Mobley, but after that, I mean, he's just as much of a prospect as guys like Kuminga and Scotty Barnes and guys where you, where you're just like, there are all these tools we kind of have to teach them how to use I them agree. in a productive way. But he, like he's
2: Kaminga, he's coming. Like just the, he's it's just the Kaminga comp is there. I mean, maybe Kaminga is a high. I don't know. But it's just in terms of raw, right? You're talking about in terms of raw, like it's right there. I, I'm with you, Toronto. Like they won't, they won't do this trade. It's just one or two way. If they want to keep winning, they don't do the trade. If they want to blow it up. We're on, baby, right? Like we. And are- I think, and I do
1: think it's more realistic than like Ben Simmons because what what does Philly want to do? What, with all not- those young players, right? Like they're they're <laughs> hoping to they're hoping to flip Ben for like a comparable player, but one who fits better with 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 Embiid, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just which just is not what about- the Warriors, which is not what the Warriors have to offer.
2: I, I like I bet you, Mas- like Masai. Uh, can you imagine a Jalen Suggs? who was built, like, I do know, like, Fred VanVleet, Lowry, just taller, bigger, more athletic, but has the same type of IQ. You get Suggs, you get Booknight, you get Wiseman. Like, those are th- three, like you just said, lotto guys. And, and that's, how you, that's how you do a rebuild. Now, does he want to do a rebuild? Who knows? But if he does, like, that's, that's where the Warriors, they got some ammo. And, and that's why if you're a Warriors fan, that's why I think a lot of Warriors fans are like, if you got some amble, why push it all in for Pascal Siakam? Then the funniest side is, is
1: Toronto Raptors saying, hell no, we're not moving. Like this yeah. thing is well, no, by the absolutely way,
2: that's, no sense,
1: which is the, I, that's
2: the funniest part.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the other part. I totally get Warrior fans who are like, we should hold on to Weisman, see what we got with the seven pick, and then wait for something more interesting, maybe a player of a higher caliber than Pascal Siakam to come around. Like I totally yeah. get that. Um, it's just like, I think, I think you and I are aligned on this where we see, um, you know, how well Steph Curry played last year. Um, we see Draymond Green's 31. He probably has a couple more years in him. Clay, if, if <laughs> Clay is the ultimate proof of, you can't just assume the future is always there for you, that maybe, maybe there's the desire to be a little more aggressive. It's dicey. It's not that easy to, it's not that easy to decide. Shick, what's up, my man? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear oh, you. Nope. What, what's up?
3: Yeah, so I got I got two points. One about the the whole Siakam thing. So, uh, I've come to the conclusion that nobody actually wants to play for the Raptors. So, <laughs> why the Raptors fans live in this world where they like have to win every single transaction. So, they're going to demand is, Isn't that know, every know, fan? Online, I feel like Well, not really. I mean, I feel like some of them some of, like Timberwolves fans are at the very least are like a little bit more cognizant of how shitty they are but like for the raptors i mean they're in a completely different country so they're like they live and die with like every trade and transaction that they make so i i think on their end they're kind of bluffing i don't think they ever think that siakam's ever gonna be a part of like a, a winning core for them unless he suddenly regains his like finals form which i feel like is doubtful <clears throat> but anyway so I, I i definitely would not make the siakam trade uh if you're ha- having to part way with like assets that could grow on the rookie contracts for example a 7 pick Wiseman let, let me ask you this and i don't think this is
1: possible what if you could get siakam without giving up one of wiseman or the number 7 pick so you're trading one of those to the 14 and like let's say a future first or banking on it i
3: mean my my real question is like who does this put us over like does this allow us to match up with the nuggets better does it allow us to match up with the the suns better like in theory, if Wiseman develops into who he's supposed to develop into, which is someone that's like a two-way big that can match up with like Aiton or Jokic or AD, does Siakam fill that role in some meaningful way? I, I mean, I, I mean, there's a reason I think that we, we drafted Wiseman like not not too long ago, like it's to it's to develop him. I feel like just throwing that out there. With, I think that's actually a really
1: interesting. That's I don't want to come off. I feel bad. <laughs> no, yeah. let's go ahead. It, it's a fair question. Who does Siakam allow the Warriors to match up better with? Yeah, I have a couple. Off the top of my head, the Lakers, they, I, they I also, would, um, no one guards Anthony Davis better than Draymond Green. I don't care what Lakers fans say. Like that's just been true for years and Siakam is as good as you're going to get on LeBron. Like they match up well with the Lakers best lineup, which would be LeBron and AD at the four and the five in crunch time. Um, it's as good a matchup as you're going to get on that. And, uh, you know, as, as fun as it was to watch the Lakers flame out this year, I kind of suspect that they're fully healthy. They're still going to be one of the scariest teams in the West.
2: Here's the larger thing, too, which I agree with you. I mean, just the Lakers, the Clippers, if they're still on the list, right? And, and then Denver, I think the Warriors always had a good shot at Denver. Um, Maverick, stuff like that. It's, it's a good matchup against everyone,
1: especially if you're playing 4-5 with Pascal and Draymond. Uh, certainly better than anything the Warriors could do without Pascal. Well, you, you, um, you have to do it with the assumption that you're going to use that 4-5 combo. Because um, <laughs> it makes no sense at the th- yeah, I, Kerr
2: wouldn't do it. He's too smart, um, especially during winning time. Um, the larger question here, though, Sam, is you're drafting – the Warriors want to draft Wiseman with the notion of developing him, and I get that, and we've gone to this conversation ad nauseum. The question now becomes, if Steph Curry is an MVP candidate, an MVP player for the next two seasons, he's already done it this season, so let's say he does it for the next two seasons, because we're seeing Chris Paul play like an MVP in the NBA Finals. Then, why are you looking to use that time to develop people when you've got a chance to win a championship with Steph Curry? That's, your, that's the answer. Now, if you're telling me that James Wisen becomes DeAndre Ayton in two years, sure, but if you're also telling me that they have a shot at getting a player like Pascal Siakam who can help you win a championship more so than someone like that, then yeah, again, that's the gamble though, right? Like, because nobody knows who James Wiseman's going to be in three years, and I guess that's the gamble. Then that becomes, are the Warriors willing to gamble James Wiseman under under Toronto developmental staff? How awesome is he going to be, right? Like, they have a chance to look look like look terrible,
1: but or you, you, can, look you, at, or you can look or you can, it you can it, look at it. Or you can look at it in a different way, which is let's assume you're being more realistic with James Wiseman, which is you think he'll be like a nice little role player for you next year. And maybe after that, he expands a little more. How are you going to add the players you need to the lineups you plan to close playoff games with next year with the tools you have? Can you add that fifth defender, um, that fifth guy to go with Clay, Steph, Wiggins and Draymond? In your closing lineup with just a tax pyramid level, is that possible? Um, those are kind of the questions because, like, if you're if you're thinking, okay, I'd rather keep Wiseman, bring him along at his own speed. He's young; it's going to take him time, um, and kind of have more of a strength in numbers type team. How are you going to get those other numbers? You know, do we have one more?
3: Yeah, what's up? Can you hear me? We yes, can hear
1: you. What's up, Nathan?
3: So let's say like we run it back and we don't make any trades at all. So then we're drafting at seven to fourteen. Then we got Pool, we got JTA, we got Lee, we got Babesmore. That's like seven bench guys. So then we add vet minimum guys too. Like who's who's like the oddman out of that rotation, or unless we're like thinking about like we're in like a thirteen man rotation, or regular season. <laughs> well, so that's rookies a great question. Ain't, rookies
2: ain't playing. Wiseman ain't playing.
1: I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bank on both the seven and fourteen pick getting extended run every game. Yes. That's one. Um. Damian Lee also, uh, I I think he's a really useful player, but like her has shown he Damian Lee is the kind of guy who, if Clay's sitting, he can go play 25 minutes in his place, but he could also just sit, sit, sit four games in a row. I actually think Juan Toscano Anderson might be used the same way, depending what vets they get picked up. Like there's, there's worse problems than feeling confident about 12 or 13 guys in your roster. Like, Literally what we saw this year, which was not feeling confident about 12 guys on your roster. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. There's a problem with kind of overvaluing the people that you have. The warrior we, us Warriors fans, fan. We watched Damian Lee for a long time. So we watched him become a very good basketball player. He is not a consistent rotation player on a contending team. Um, maybe actually, maybe, maybe he is, maybe he takes another step next season. Um, he's had a fantastic couple of seasons here. Um, and I don't know why I'm bringing up Damian Lee. Same goes for Juan Toscano Anderson. Fantastic story. Um, you're not saying, want JTA, you are playing 25 minutes game every game. That's just not happening. <laughs> and same with Jordan. Actually, Jordan Poole maybe actually they Actually, they might not start him. <laughs> he might be in the starting lineup. But, like, the point remains, it's all these guys, Marquise Chris, throw him in there he's still on the team, right? All these guys are, yes, they've been on the team a long time, they've developed, and they're nice pieces. But if you get a vetman guy or a guy with a tr- uh, taxpayer MLE who's good, that guy's playing. Right. Like none of these guys are guys that frankly. And I think we keep
1: on the roster.
2: Honestly,
1: I think we find a better player. I think we both, uh, I'm going to end on this point. I think we both feel the same way about this where it's like, I like Damian Lee and want Scott Anderson a lot more as like your ninth, 10th man who, if they're feeling it, you give them extra minutes that night. And if they're not, you know what, it's just one of those nights where they only play like seven, eight minutes. Um, As opposed to what we saw this year, which was like, kind of need 25 to 30 good minutes out of them. Otherwise, there's no other options, right? Like depth is a good thing. The Warriors, you know, if they don't swing the big trade, you're, you're kind of banking on some internal improvement. You get a little more out of Wiseman next year. Maybe the number seven pick can play a role for you. Jordan Poole gets better. Maybe Eric Paschal gets his career back on track uh Damian Lee and Juan Toscano get better. You you nail the the mid-level exception, unlike the Wanamaker move, which uh, really hurt them, honestly. Like it, you know, this season could have gone a lot different if Wanamaker and Ubre were better signings, players who made more sense for this team, right? Yep. So there's th- those are, you know, th- those are things that that could happen, uh, but it's always more fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm also in. If they if they kind of stamp pad and do all those players, like, I'm not going to hate it. I don't know if I'm a fan of it. I'd be curious to see where that goes. I'll tell you what. Maybe we can end it here. Uh, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, they're not going to allow it to stamp out. <laughs> this team is not running it back. Right? They're not running it back. Steph and Draymond aren't allowing that. As far as I'm concerned, those are the two most important
1: guys in the organization.
3: So...
2: San, um, when will we back? When did you say? We're, we're getting uh, Wasserman
3: on. We'll be back on Sunday.
1: Yeah, new pod with um, Bleacher Report's lead draft analyst, Jonathan Wasserman, on Monday. And we will do another green room uh, maybe on Friday, uh, to be determined. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll be going two green rooms and one regular pod a week from now until the draft. So, for the next three weeks. There, right, guys. Appreciate
3: it.